As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Man City away I mean it should be rated 18 this game uh, it might have to move kick off to 9 o'clock because yeah it could be an absolute massacre Neil Smith's shown that he can get a set plan together in a short space of time and he, he can work with players and, and, and improve them in the short term and, and keep a team so I think it's actually a, at this point for where Leicester were at I think it's a, as good a appointment as, as they could hope for now it feels like the manager who they sacked in order to go down a different route is the person who's getting the results and the performances and the style of play that they wanted to get out of sacking him. I've been pretty sure all along that I think Jude Bellingham just goes to Manchester City. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm Dan Bardell and it's time for the weekend preview. I'm joined by George Ellick, Bet365, Steve Freeth and the award-winning Tim Spears. As Arsenal slip, Man City look ready to bounce in the title race, but could Guardiola's side be in for a treble? We'll look at the race for European qualification too as Aston Villa meet Newcastle. Plus, how will Manchester United respond to late disappointment in Europe against struggling Nottingham Forest? That's all to come here on the Weekend Preview. So we'll start this week again with the title race. Manchester City taking on Dean Smith's Leicester Saturday at 5.30. And we've also got West Ham v Arsenal, which is Sunday at 2 o'clock. Tim Spears jubilant that both title race games are on television. Man City, nine wins in a row now following a great 3-0 win over Bayern Munich on Tuesday night. They've scored 34 goals in those nine games. Tim, is this the most complete side they've ever had under Pep? Um, I guess, I guess probably with, you know, Haaland giving them what they haven't had before. I mean, they looked perfect in midweek. It was probably their most perfect Champions League performance, I'd suggest. Could have been four or five. No overthinking from Pep this time. And yeah, from back to front, I mean, Edison made some important saves. Ruben Diaz was outstanding. Jack Grealish again, who sort of helped take them onto this different level that we've seen in the last few weeks. And Haaland, obviously. They were helped a little bit by Bayern's, you know, jittery defending, obviously, especially Upper Meccano, who, who had one, didn't he? But, um, but they forced the error city. Their pressing game was excellent. And I feel like in their current form, 
they'd probably beat anybody. And by anybody, I mean Arsenal in a few weeks. I mean Real Madrid, if if they likely get them in the semi-finals. They look stupendous, to be honest. They're, they're, they're a joy to watch. And the atmosphere was great in midweek as well. It really feels like everything's come together for City. I guess the only thing from Pep's point of view, he'll be hoping that they haven't peaked too soon because incredibly, there are still two months of the season to go. Um, you know, it's April 14th today and the Champions League finals June the 10th. So yeah, if, um, but if, if, if they keep this going, then they, they're going to win the treble and they're going to win every game they play. Um, it's about how he manages his, his squad from, from now on, basically. Steve, let's go to you now. What are the odds looking like for City for the Champions League and for the treble? Yeah, their, their favourites done to, to win the Champions League odds on now at, uh, at, at 10 to 11 and, and their price is shortening, uh, to actually win the treble into, into four to one. And of course, they are very warm favourites to, to actually go through to the semi-final. But as we touched upon, I think it was last week, City have just looked in great positions and just thrown it away in, in years gone by, you know, to to finally land this this trophy. Um, but historically, there have been some big games um, in the Champions League where teams have gone into the second leg looking like they're home and hosed. Barcelona, PSG for one in 2017. I, re- I remember offering, we offered 20 to one. On, on, on Barca to come back from that and they ended up winning and we lost absolute telephone numbers on that. Barca being three up against Liverpool, Barca being four one up against Roma and going out. Um, it seems to be a lot of Barcelona heavy, this uh, this chat, as regards to losing leads. But saying all that, Bayern Munich are 14 to one to qualify. And I don't know whether you think the tie's done. I don't know whether you guys think that's a ridiculously short price being at 3-0 and the quality that Manchester City are. But... 14 to 1 shots do win. Yeah, I can't see Man City not scoring, but incidentally, in that Man City won't care about this one bit. They're still not my favourites for the Champions League. Real Madrid, you weren't, yeah. I can't look past Real Madrid. Into 9 to 2, Daniel. I know we talked 7 to 1 last week, didn't we? So they're, they're shortening. And of course, they, again, yeah. they look in a great place to, uh, to carry on. But Frank Lampard, George, I'm sure he'll pull that out of the bag when they hit second leg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I, I do think that the. The, the two-legged semi-final between City and Real Madrid is going to be, you know, presuming it is those two, will be will be somewhat. You know, you've got the the Real Madrid side who've had their their struggles this season, but who have won it so many times in the past up against the City team, who, you know, look to my eyes to be miles clear of everybody else. You know, I, I watched both games midweek, and I thought Real Madrid were by their own standards pretty meek, especially given that they were up against a, a Chelsea side with ten men for the last half an hour. They should have killed the tie off, and they weren't really able to do that. They didn't really look like they were going to do either. Ancelotti didn't didn't want to take Frank Lampard apart. I don't think. I think you could be right. He play, took him apart on the touchline with that. The best thing he's ever done on the touchline was that with those keepy uppies, weren't they? Good player. But it's uh, yeah. I mean, just in terms of pure mentality, when you've got a Manchester City side who've never been able to get over that line up against a Real Madrid one who for all their shortcomings have made it made it a habit to be able to do it I can't wait for those uh, for those games Steve Erling Haaland's on to 45 goals in all competitions 30 in the Premier League I mean obscene numbers here it doesn't feel like that long ago that it was being said in some quarters he's made them worse he, he doesn't he doesn't find they don't find his runs but you know, 45 goals in all competitions yeah, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna hit fifty, isn't he? In all comps, yeah. Uh, incidentally, we are twenty to one for him to score fifty Premier League goals this season. So I don't know whether we're taking a chance. That of course the games are running out. So even by his superhuman standards, that will be that will be some going. We have actually already settled Harland to score thirty or more Premier League goals, which was six to one 
around uh, September time, and we're now one to four about him scoring 35 or more Premier League goals, and he was 12 to one to do that in August. So, as you'd expect, big liabilities and with big payouts already on Haaland. Oh, yeah, and he's one to 50 to be top Champions League goal scorer as well. So, yeah, not a bad player, this Haaland chap. No, nice assist as well for, for Bernardo Silva's goal. It was, wasn't it? Fantastic. Mid, midweek as well. Not something we've seen too much from him, from him through, through the season. George Lester. Dean Smith's off the golf course and in as interim manager until the end of the season at Leicester. Reaction to that one? Is, is he going to keep them up because he's taken over a side that is completely devoid of confidence and, and looks in a mess? Yeah, it's an interesting one because when you look at it as kind of a very binary change, I don't think anybody thinks that Dean Smith is a better manager than, than Brendan Rodgers. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he isn't a fair appointment to be made at this time to try and get them out of a bit of a mess. You know, he was unable to do it, of course, uh, at Norwich last season. I think Norwich's position, or at least Norwich's players and, and the squad they had at their disposal meant that it was a tougher ask. There's no denying that with this Leicester side and the players that they've got, certainly individuals, there is enough to work with there to try and instigate a change. And we've seen from Sean Dyche and Everton how a new manager with new ideas can do that. I think it's interesting when you look at the backroom staff that are coming back with him. You've got Craig Shakespeare, who was, of course, assistant manager when Leicester won the Premier League title and ended up getting the the full-time manager's job, although that didn't end particularly well, but somebody that's held an incredibly high regard at the club. And then, of course, John Terry, who, in terms of a figure to have around the club and somebody who can hopefully inspire players to to turn it around, given what he's achieved in the game as a player, you know, it's, again, somebody interesting who's going to come in from outside who might add a little bit of something different. You know, you look at their fixtures and this City game is a bit of a nightmare, really, I think. But the fixtures after look winnable. You know, they they host Wolves, but we, we know that Wolves are already safe, but they host Wolves on, on the 22nd of April and then go to Leeds on the Tuesday after that and then host Everton and then go to Fulham. So given Fulham's that. current form, those are four games where they should really expect to you know, want, there's nothing for them to really fear in terms of those games those are the games where they're going to have to pick up the points that they need in order to to improve Smith also has experience of course of getting Villa out of a relegation mire um, in that Covid affected season too so yeah he, he's an incredibly positive guy he's someone who I think will come in and, and breathe a bit of fresh air into into the club um, and I, get, I think for him as a job you know he, he was recently a, a sacked championship manager if Dean Smith manages to get Leicester out of this mess and keep them up this season, the chances are he's going to get given a, a two or three year contract at the side that probably have the best or second best training ground in the country and probably the seventh or eighth highest budget in the Premier League next season. So in terms of his managerial stock, it's uh, it's a big job for him to take with, with huge upside if he manages to, to get them out of the mess. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. The, the big thing is when football came back after, after COVID, Villa, Villa Villa were going down. Uh, even with three games left, Villa was seven points from safety. Villa Villa were going mm. down and he, he got them out of it. And people will point to the fact he had Jack Grealish, but it wasn't down to that. It, gen- it genuinely wasn't. Villa were leaking goals for fun, a bit, a bit like Leicester and, until the COVID break. But he came back, he, he made them more solid. He worked with the players, had a set plan. Now he's going to have to work quickly with Leicester to get any kind of plan in place. But there are parallels and you mentioned those those four games after the Man City game. If they get any kind of good return from that, they probably will stay up. And Dean Smith's shown that he can get a set plan together in a short space of time and he can work with players and, and, and improve them in the short term and, and keep a team. So I think it's actually a, at this point for where Leicester were at, I'm a little bit biased because I like Dean Smith, but I think it's a, as good a appointment as, as they could hope for. And if you speak to Villa players or Villa defenders about working with John Terry as well, 
I think they speak about the little tweaks that he, he makes to their games and the little bits of advice that, that he gives them. He can help Leicester d- defensively. John, John Terry can. Villa started to ship goals, funnily enough, when, when John, John Terry left. So I think there's a good chance Leicester, Leicester will stay up with, with that appointment and then, and then work from there. And it'll be good for Dean Smith as well because the Norwich time wasn't great for him. Tim, you recently concluded your relegation tour. What were your findings? Um, so I went to five six-pointers over the space of a week. So I saw, I saw everyone except for Everton basically all playing each other in the relegation scrap. And Leicester were the worst team I watched. I mean, they, they look, they look doomed. And yes, we'll, we'll see what Dean Smith does with them, but they look awful. Like, now I've seen this at Wolves over the years, you know, when, when you're heading for relegation and everything's going wrong and the players are, are just doing things that they would never normally do. The crowd is, they were so angry at them last week. They were, they were, they were booing them during the game. They booed them after the game. Everything was going wrong, and the manager looked. At, the managers looked absolutely clueless as to how to to stop it. So belief's the biggest thing for Dean Smith to instill, as George says, really. And Man City away. I mean, it should be rated eighteen. This game, if they, uh, they might have to move kickoff. To, might have to move kickoff to nine o'clock because we'll be live. We'll be live. It's just going to be a, <laughs> straight to DVD. I think. Um, yeah, it could be an absolute massacre. If if they play like they did against Bournemouth last week, because again, George said rightly about winnable fixtures coming up, Bournemouth at home should have been one and, you know, they should have lost sort of 2-3-0 last week. They're atrocious. But th- there was a real contrast in a lot of styles of the teams that are down there, but also the sort of atmospheres as well. So I went to Forest Wolves one day and then I went to West Ham, Southampton the next and there just couldn't have been a bigger contrast in terms of how those two sets of fans watch and support in those stadiums. You know, Forest is a real sort of cauldron of energy, which the players are feeding off and their home record's been really important to Forest this season. And I went to West Ham the next day against Southampton and honestly, it was one of the worst football experiences I've had in my whole life. It was just a vacuous corporate bowl of nothingness. There was no no noise, no atmosphere, no nothing. It was just dreadful. I felt so sorry for those West Ham fans. Anyway, uh, this is all summed up in a piece which people can read on The Athletic. But um, but yeah, Leicester are doomed. That's my conclusion, Dan. No, they're going to get out of it. Dean, Smith's gonna be, Dean Smith and John Terry are going are to get them out of it. Let's look at Arsenal now. They let a two-goal lead slip at Liverpool on Sunday. What what a game, my favourite game of the season, bar none. Is it two points dropped or given Aaron Ramsdale saved in the second half? Is that a point gained in the end, George? I think when you squander a two-goal lead, um, I mean, maybe both things can be true, but when you squander a two-goal lead, and not only was it a two-goal lead, they were utterly dominant in the game as well. Um, And it felt like we were going to see Arsenal... run right at Anfield which would have been a real sign of the times I I think regardless of what comes after that you've got to be pretty frustrated and you know whilst Aaron Ramsdale made two unbelievable saves and you've got to think the second save my hunch is that not many keepers even try to make that save they probably just watch the ball being headed over the line on the line Um, but Arsenal also had you know whilst they they didn't fashion any clear-cut goal-scoring opportunities they had one or two moments late in the second half where they really should have done better on the counter-attack, picking the wrong pass or or, or not executing the pass well enough. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think when City are playing the way that they are and picking up points the way that they are and, 
you know, it's not often that you, you you think a team is going to just win every game that they play. But right now, City are operating at a level where it's kind of hard not to see. And it's hard to see why they wouldn't at least be utterly dominant in games. And therefore, if they aren't going to win a game, it's probably going to be bad luck rather than anything else. To squander, you know, and there's this whole debate going on about it's in City's hands and it's in Arsenal's hands. But, you know, there's no denying that Arsenal were in the very much in the driving seat here before squandering that lead. It, it's got to be a frustration. Now, that doesn't mean that Ramsdale's save might not be the pivotal moment in this title race. It very well could be, and it was an unbelievable moment, and both were, to be fair. But given Liverpool's struggles recently and the way that game looked in the first half, I, I, I got a little bit annoyed about how much the, the coverage was dominated by this idea of Granite Xhaka rousing the home crowd. I, I think that's just a classic kind of post-truth that people now look for answers within things that happen in games, and it isn't really particularly true. I mean, you're in call, another world... calling out Gary Neville, George? It wasn't just him. I mean, it was just it was just it was just mentioned over and over again. It was just like one of those things that yeah, okay, fine. The the crowd got up for it for a second, but when you're looking at the you know the tangible reasons why games improve, a, a few fans screaming and then a minute later a, a goal going in, it's not necessarily related. Two things can happen that that aren't necessarily the same. So I, I wouldn't be criticizing Shaka for throwing away the Premier League title, even if his actions were, were fairly were fairly stupid. There'll be more twists and turns, but yeah, I mean, I think for, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be more frustrated than relieved. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised to learn that only Leeds have won at Anfield so far this season. I would have expected more teams to, to mm. have gone there and win the way Liverpool season's been, but obviously Liverpool at home are very different to, to Liverpool away. So on the face of it, it's not, a te- it's not a terrible point for Arsenal, but it certainly has caused some kind of swing in in the title race. It's, it's going to make life more difficult, obviously, dropping points and, and not picking up all three. Are Man City now the favourites for, for the title, Steve? I did a podcast with a very respected journalist yesterday, and he has said that after that result, the title race is over and Man City will win it. Well, we haven't paid out on them yet. They're not 10 points clear, but we did pay out on Arsenal last week in the, in the full-time result market when they, of course, went two goals up. Um, in the game, in, in bet builders and multis as well as the uh, as well as singles, so it was an expensive uh, game. That we lost a few million quid on that game, but in answer to your question, Dan, yes, Manchester City are no favourites. We'd love this to go back and forth all the way through the season. Obviously, I suppose the April the twenty sixth, of course, is the is the big game. Um, but Manchester City are now into eight to eleven with uh, with Arsenal. The second fabs at eleven to ten. I suppose if you if you've been on Arsenal at big prices at sixty six and fifty, you're still quite happy. But to see Arsenal there from go odds on to odds against, and you look at the fixtures, and you look at that result, that loss of a two 0 lead, you can you can understand why Manchester City are favourites and the way that they're just steamrolling teams now, whether they be in, in in the Premier League or Champions League. It's uh, it's looking very good. But with my bookmaker hat on. Come on, JT and Co and Leicester and Shaky and all that. And, you know, let's get a result against City this weekend. Tim, where would it stand in terms of collapses if Arsenal don't win the title? Would it, would it be fair to call it a collapse? Because nobody expected them to be up there at the, the start of the season. A lot of people wouldn't have even called them for, for top four. They may have an eight-point lead, but Man City have had this game in hand in what, what feels like forever. Plus, Arsenal have got to go to the Etihad as well. So, you know, they're two tangible things that could make a, make a huge change. But could you class it as a collapse if Man City win the league? Um, it's a good question. I mean, history history might define it as such if people just remember that it was an eight-point lead, perhaps. But in context, I mean, since City beat them in February, Arsenal have picked up 22 points from 24 available. And now they're looking at the scenario of potentially only losing one more game for the rest of the season 
away at City maybe, hitting 90 points and still losing the title. So we're, we're sort of at that stage we were with Liverpool and City, you know, a couple of years ago where it's it's perfection is, is needed. And that's why, you know, when, when they conceded the second to Liverpool at Anfield last week, you know, I noticed a couple of Arsenal players like sink to their knees, like it was like a last minute, a last minute winner for the opposition and the threat and, and essentially something that could really cost them. And I'd imagine that's because Arteta's been, you know, instilling in them every single week. You know, we need, we need perfection basically if we're going to win this title. So it will feel like two points lost to the, to the Arsenal players last week. I mean, City can still slip up. You know, it was only a couple of months ago that we were saying that this title race is sort of defined by the fact that they are both sort of losing and slipping up and that's why it's so fun. But when you look at City's fixtures, like Steve said, I don't see where they drop points in this form, to be honest. Obviously, there's that Arsenal game. They've got Brighton away to be rescheduled. But other than that, you'd imagine that they'll win all these games. Leicester, Fulham, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Chelsea, Brentford... The way that they're playing, they'll win. They'll win every single one of those. But in, in answer to your question, no, it, it 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 won't be a collapse. They've been absolutely outstanding this season, and to even still be in the title race and still be have it in their hands is a, is a ridiculous achievement when you look at this Man City team they're up against. The only thing with Man City is, I guess, they're still in three competitions, so they may have a, yeah. bit, of, a bit of fatigue. Whereas Arsenal are just gunning for the Premier League, and and that's excuse, excuse the pun. I did not mean to actually do that. that was good. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about yeah. Maybe it was, but I, I didn't mean to do it. That, that that's for certain. If they get, like you say, if they get 90 points and they don't win the league, they can count themselves so, so un- unfortunate. A bit like Liverpool last year. Because, you know, what What more can you do? And if Man City, if Arsenal get 90 points and Man City still win the league, then I don't know, Pep, I mean, he's a genius anyway. Then it, it just tells you the level that this guy's at. Can we ban the use of the word uh, the word bottle if, if Arsenal do? I mean, what, like, because it's one of my biggest annoyances as well. I don't know why I'm so grumpy today. When it's always, if, if a team misses out on anything, they've always bottled it. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of their form, it's always a bottle job. It's just nonsense. Yeah, I've got, I've got to agree with you. I don't like that either. England in the Euros. Oh, they, they bottled oh it. God. That's the final. I didn't bottle anything. I lost the penalty shootout in, in, a, in a final. It's, it's not bottling. Actually, I really, I strongly agree with that. Dan will never win anything with Southgate in charge, no. even though he got to a penalty shootout final in a major tournament. And, and we were getting knocked out by Iceland before Southgate came, came into the, <laughs> to, to, to the England job. Talk, talking of England, one of England's best players, Declan Rice, Steve, still at West Ham, obviously, this season, potentially won't be in, in the summer. Are Arsenal the favourites to be his next club? Yeah, they are, Dan. Yeah, and he's, we've actually seen a, a little bit of money for the, for that to happen in the summer. So it's uh, we've gone from nine to four into six to four to be his next club. And incidentally, Arsenal, uh, West Ham's record against Arsenal is is pretty poor. Just one win in, in the last fifteen in all competitions. The match winner on that day was actually Declan Rice. He's, he's four to one to still be a West Ham player uh, at the beginning of September. With Liverpool at five, Chelsea at thirteen to two, the same price as Manchester United, and we've also seen a little bit of money for Newcastle, so twelve into seven. I don't know what you guys think about the destination, or whether he stays. Declan Rice. It's a tough one for West Ham, isn't it? Because they they lose him, it could be absolutely catastrophic. But he goes though, doesn't he? Afford, he they, goes. They can't afford to let him go on a free. That's the that's the problem, isn't it? They they'd have to get get some money back. They spent one hundred and fifty million in the summer. West Ham. I'm sorry. I think Arsenal's the best fit for him, in in, in all honesty. There's a, there's a natural place for him in, in that team as Arsenal look to progress. There's there's a natural fit for him in that, in that team, isn't there? So I think, you know, if Arsenal come in with 100 plus million, he'll go there. I think, and, and for him to progress as well. I mean, he's certainly not the finished article. You know, there's, there's, no. there's a lot of things to add to his game and under Arteta, you'd imagine he'd, he'd do that. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Right then, Aston Villa v Newcastle is the lunchtime offering on Saturday. Villa, six wins from their last seven, drawing one of those. George, up to sixth place. Is European football returning to Villa Park next season? Maybe. I mean, it's it's obviously been an unbelievable run. I mean, I was kind of surprised. I was looking at this uh, in, in my prep. I do do some prep for this podcast uh, this morning. And I hadn't quite noticed how much of a, a data outlier Villa had been under Emery. You know, the, the goal difference under Emery since he arrived in early November is, is, is plus 10. The expected goal difference, I think, is minus four. Um, Villa have scored, I think, 30-odd goals from an expected 18, which made me wonder, is this just one of those anomalous freak runs which is going to turn? And I I don't think it is, really, because I looked kind of a, a bit more at it in a game-by-game basis. And when you look at the games that Villa have won, for the most part, they have been deservedly so and they've been the better side and they've won the extra battle in those games. A couple of those haven't been the case. The the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge, for example, where Villa were the better side until they were 2-0 up and then obviously game state dictated that Chelsea piled on some pressure. You know, the expected goals of Chelsea was 2.5 in that one, which kind of tells its own story, but actually realistically, it's kind of game state dependent rather than anything else. And then the games that Villa have lost under Emery, they've generally lost by a fair margin and and have, have been pretty poor in those games. So that kind of skews the the dial somewhat. So it, it strikes me that Villa are a side who, when they're good, are, are genuinely good and are winning games on merit. Um, even if they do throw in the odd poor performance at the moment, you know, those poor performances generally came at the beginning of Emery's reign anyway. So yeah, I mean, it's whilst they're, they're being incredi- incredibly clinical in front of goal, Villa, and there's no reason why that shouldn't continue given the form of certain players, including Ollie Watkins, then, um, you know, I, I think they'll continue to push the teams around them all the way. Villa looked like they couldn't hit a barn door under Steven Gerrard. And since Unai Emery's come in, they've scored in every, every single game. game. That's, that's the that's the biggest Various. thing. I mean, they are clinical, a clinical team. They might not create loads of chances in some games, but Villa score in, in every game. Cue them not scoring against Newcastle, who've got the best defence uh, at the weekend. <laughs> Ollie Watkins is one of the form players in Europe, Steve. Is there, is there a market for him to hit 20 goals now? Yeah, 9-2, to two, Danny's in to, to, to get 20 or more this season. I mean, he is really hot right now. He's not Miggy Elmer on hot, not yet, but he is, he is very hot indeed. Uh, he's actually into 400 to 1 from 1,000 to, to be the PFA Player of the Year, Dan. I'll just, I just wondered if that was on your sleeper account that you were... Uh, I'll, prob- I'll probably not be not be having, having, having any money on that, I wouldn't have thought. No, but he's he, he, he's obviously full of confidence. You know, he's, he's, he's confident that he's going to score in every single game. Um, he's, he's, he's shots shots on target every every single shot he seems to have seems to be on target so maybe he's running just a little bit hot he was running a little bit cold at the start of the season wasn't he where he was missing a number of chances but with Villa scoring in every game um, uh, like you mentioned they are 7-1 to one to finish in the top 6 Dan and 100-1 and to one to finish in, uh, in the top 4 which of course suggests with the price there it's very unlikely but 
the good times are heading back to Aston Villa and it's bloody horrible. Yeah, I was going to say yours and Tim's faces through, throughout that conversation. An absolute absolute joy for me to watch. And, and so I wasn't even listening to what George was saying. I was just watching your two's faces <laughs> <laughs> through through that segment. And Watkins was playing well un- under Steve and Gerrard, really. It was just Villa didn't have any, any fundamental tactical plan. Emery's tweaked his game and made him stay in the penalty area more rather than rather than drifting more. And he's reaping the benefits of it because he, he's absolutely lethal at the moment. Tim Newcastle now have five wins in a row in the Premier League. This is two of the division's informed sides meeting. Newcastle have gone from 15 defeats in the whole of last season to only three this season. How much does that speak to the change of mentality under Eddie Howe? Because not only, you know, Newcastle flying high, he's improved players that had been there for years that fans would have written off. Yeah, you know, you're right. And the mentality is probably the most important thing he has changed, to be honest. I mean, it's not it's not a top four squad isn't it's not a top four team really you know Ch- Chelsea have got a top four squad so have Liverpool and but and you know Newcastle are 17 points ahead of Chelsea they've all bottled it though Tim Liverpool and bottled it <laughs> but it's remarkable and, and like, but especially since the EFL Cup final it's probably the most the most impressive period of the season for me really I mean I, I I basically wrote them off I thought they were done and um you know he's 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 found it within that squad for them to brush that off and win what five five on the spin since that final came from behind to win at Brentford last week Wilson and Isaac you know looked sort of tantalizingly good together in that second half so yeah um if if they win their next two which is Villa and then they've got Spurs next then they've basically they've basically got Champions League football wrapped up for me because they'd be six ahead of Spurs at least if they do manage to beat them with a game in hand and you know you don't see them throwing it away in this form, so um, it's a it's a great game. This I'm glad it's on the telly because uh, I want to watch it. It'll be um, arguably the sort of third and fourth best team in the country at the moment. Really, I mean, Villa's form under Emery would lead them to third place in the league in in pretty much every single Premier League season you can find. You know that they're they're on for sort of they're on like two points a game, so they'd be getting seventy eight points over the course of a season with Emery's form. Um, over 38 games so yeah it just shows you what an incredible job he's doing and Andy has doing the same so yeah it's going to be a great game this really look forward to it for all the good form of these two sides Tim would it surprise you that Newcastle are red hot favourites to win this game at Villa Park like they're touching even money to win it and and, and Villa nearly as big as 3-1 to to actually win the game yeah so as regards to you know they're obviously two bang informed teams but Newcastle we think are absolutely streets ahead of uh, Villa currently. Um, and by the way, Newcastle are now one to five to finish in the top four. So just joining with you with the, uh, the tipping of the hat to, uh, to Eddie Howe. Let's look now at Chelsea v Brighton, Everton v Fulham, Southampton v Palace, Tottenham v Bournemouth and Wolves v Brentford, which are all at three o'clock, none on TV, Tim Spears. And talking of informed sides as we just have, let's hear from the Athletics Crystal Palace writer Matt Woosnam on the impact Roy Hodgson has made ahead of them taking on Southampton this weekend. This is turning into a day of days for Crystal Palace. A lot has changed under Roy Hodgson for Crystal Palace since Patrick Vieira's departure. But mostly it's been the fact that they're playing with a lot more confidence, a lot more verve, and they seem to be getting the best out of their attacking players. 30 seconds. 
plus whatever the referee adds on. Here's Mateta, great turn, great finish! Would you believe it? Hodgson has changed a lot, just little things. The mood is completely transformed at the training ground. The players are in really good spirits. Everyone around the club has been given a lift. Hodgson knows half the squad really and knows he didn't know. He says he's, you know, he's got to know and he's been impressed by. But I think he's just gone back to basics. And he says, Paul inviting, are you? People would be surprised because Vieira was very chilled out and, and laid back in some ways, but there's different ways to be laid back and, and relaxed. And the way that Fiero was with the players was very much banter with them a lot. And he'd always have a response to them in training. If they said something, then he would instantly have a reply. Whereas Hodgson isn't sort of trying to, to do that with them. He is a different kind of manager. I think he just has a bit more of a balance to him in in his approach to man management. and. That does appear so far to be getting the best out of those players, especially the ones who weren't either involved as much or weren't at their best, like Jeffrey Schlupp as well, has come in and done really well in the last two games. It's in by Eze, it's met by Schlupp and followed in by Gay. It's just things that might seem inconsequential, but the main change is simply confidence and allowing the players to believe that they're good enough. It shouldn't be a team that is in a relegation battle. There are obviously areas which need to be improved, but certainly there's a lot of improvement in these early stages um, of you know, Roy Hodgson's renaissance. I'm still out of breath from reading all those three o'clock kickoffs out. And George, you didn't even flinch when that Edward commentary w- was on. I was expecting some <laughs> form of reaction from you. But how impressive have Palace been on, on Roy's return? Incredible. And there's there's nothing about this that is, you know, I've seen some suggestions that, um, you know, it's it's easier fixtures that are the cause of this. It's, it's nonsense. You know, you look at the, the level of the performances of the players, um, individual players there, as Matt touched on, where you know, he mentioned Schlapp, but <clears throat> for me, a Berriese, and Michael Elise have been shadows of the players that we know they can be this season. And this and what perplexes me the most is, is just I still think back to that Palace team of last season who played with such swagger and players like Elise and Eze were given so much creative freedom and, and looked like they were enjoying themselves on the, on the pitch. Under the same management team this season, it was completely different until Roy Hodgson's come in the door. And now, again, they look to be enjoying their football. They look like they've been given that creative freedom again. And... You know, the wins, 2-1 and 5-1, uh, are, are a fair reflection on the level of dominance they've shown in, in both of those games. You know, 31 shots against Leicester, 16 shots against Leeds. The, the thing in my mind, you know, they've, they've gone from being a, a team embroiled in this relegation scrap to now being one who are safe, in, at least in, as far as I'm concerned, is what do they do now? You know, they now have a manager who they sacked 18 months ago, two years ago, um, with the full intention of, of going on a completely different path. And now it feels like the manager who they sacked in order to go down a different route is the person who's getting the results and the performances and the style of play that they wanted to get out of sacking him. I mean, it's they've got to be quite careful, I guess, not to act upon two games against two sides who are very low on confidence at the moment and are woefully out of form. 
you know, I could see it. I could easily see a situation here where they go and give Roy Hodgson a two-year contract, and then we're sitting here in October or, or November saying, "What have they done?" You know, it's exactly the same as it was. They got carried away off the back of a couple of good performances, but right now, I mean, it's clearly a great time to be a Palace fan. And given how much top young talent there is at Palace at the moment, you know, to see Elise get three assists against Leeds, you know, he's a player who, in my mind, should be being linked to to the to the biggest clubs in Europe. His talent level is so high, and we just hadn't seen that prior to this, uh, prior to, to the current run of form. So, yeah, amazing, uh, and long way it continue without Zahar as well. Palace last yeah. weekend against Leeds. Usually they struggle without him. Certainly didn't struggle against Leeds. If you'd have hopped in the time machine a few years ago as as well and jumped jumped to now and seen Roy Hodgson and Frank Lampard in the dugouts for their respective sides, you'd have thought Palace and Le- Palace and Chelsea stuck with the manager. Fair play, well, well done. We have gone back in time a little bit in the Premier League. Palace, of course, are taking on Southampton at St Mary's this weekend, who lost at home to Manchester City last weekend. They're now four points from safety. The gap's opening up now a little bit, Steve. What are the relegation odds? Yeah, season too late for you, Dan, Southampton, getting relegated. It's, I know. It's, it's, I know. it's what could have been. Yes, they are. I mean, Southampton are the clear favourites now, Dan, to be relegated at at one to seven. I suppose those those wins over Chelsea and and, and, and Leicester kind of distant memories really. Their their goal difference is horrific. The games are running out, four points from safety. Palace uh, are obviously favourites to uh, to beat them at the weekend, as we, as George touched upon with the you know with the shackles off, and you can you, you've certainly got concerns in that game and that considered from set plays. And uh, Gerhi scored from a set play, didn't he, at Leeds? So London buses and all that. They are four to five actually to finish bottom of the Premier League. Southampton they were they were fourteen to one to do that after the the draw against Arsenal back in October. So it's not looking fantastic for them uh, as regards to the other candidates at the bottom. Forest, we've cut considerably over the last few weeks with their only three wins they've had in 2023. So they're four to eleven. With Leicester, the third favourites at four to six. Everton at seven to four. Bournemouth on the drift at five to two. I know we'll talk about them later. Leeds at 130, and unfortunately, Wolves are now a double double figure price to get relegated at 14 to one. We've gone from a nine horse race. That is beautiful. Shut isn't up. It? It's gone from... Okay, okay. Pro- producer, producer Guy, can you send me that as a clip, please? I want that as my new, my new ringtone. And uh, yeah, so it's gone from a nine-horse race into a six-horse race with the uh, with Southampton, Forest and Leicester currently the, the, the three very much in the relegation picture. Yeah, Wolves obviously beat Chelsea last weekend. Tim, what a goal by Nunez. What a strike that, that was. Your worries must have all vanished now. Although, to be fair, you've been relatively confident all the way through. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I think they should be fine. It was an incredible goal. His first goal for the club, actually. I mean, he's, he's done absolutely nothing all season, so it was about time because um, forty million quid's a lot of money for one goal. They they just need to keep it going, Wolves, because they've got a, t- a really tough finish. They've got Arsenal away on the last day. They've got Man United and Villa in in May as well. So they they just need to keep it going. Next couple of weeks, Brentford, Leicester, and Palace coming up. Um, I mean, the quality's always been there in that team. I, I, you know, if they, if they had a goal scoring striker in that team, you know, they'd be, they'd be sort of top, top, a top eight team for me. That's how, that's how good they should be. And yet, Lopetegui's done a, a fantastic job. Maybe, a, maybe he's gone a little bit unnoticed, but you know, they were, they were bottom at Christmas, four points adrift. Normally you don't survive that. And, you know, to be 13th now, four clear of safety instead of four adrift, um, is a, is a fantastic turnaround. So, um, yeah, if, if, if they get over line, uh, I'd, I'm pretty confident about, about having a good season next year as well. Top eight team with a striker. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I'm really definitely. not sure about that one yeah. team. I thought I was winced 
as, as you said that. George, quick word, quick word on Everton. Marco Silva's returning to Goodison Park. All three of Everton's wins at Sh- under Sean Dyche, sorry, have come at home. Another chance for three points because Fulham don't look great at the moment. Yeah, Fulham have lost their last four games quite quietly. They haven't scored in their last three and the performances have been really poor. It feels to me like a, a classic case of a team who you know, have, have basically realised that they're destined for mid-table mediocrity and uh, are heading towards the beach. You know, Marco Silva against his former club. Things obviously didn't end particularly happily there for him. Um, but I think Everton are, are the likely winners here. Their home form has been really good. You know, they beat Arsenal at home. They beat Leeds at home. Brentford at home. Uh, a one-all draw against Tottenham. Um, the only team, I think, to have beaten them at home under Sean Dyche was, of course, Unai Emery's Aston Villa, who, as we just discussed, uh, basically the third best team in the Premier League at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, that this should be a bit of a gimme game, you think, for Everton. And that is bad news because Everton's still 7-4 for the drop. They're the, they're the team, that you know, the fourth favourites for relegation right now. But a win here would, would clearly put them in a, in a much stronger position for to get to safety. And uh, and I think Fulham have a, a, their part to play in this relegation scrap as well because Leeds are next up too. So if their performances don't improve, it could be good news for, for both of those sides. Steve, you touched on Bournemouth. Four wins from the last eight ahead of a visit to Spurs, which they probably won't be afraid of at, at the moment. Gary O'Neill, the job he's done this season, gone a little bit under the radar. Under the radar, it? under the radar, one hundred percent. Not not a high profile manager by any stretch of the imagination. Just getting the getting the job done, and, and we. He's, he's obviously the start of his tenure where he did very well, and then they had that long. They've had a couple of long losing runs, sandwiched between a couple of victories over Everton in in league and and, and cup as well. Uh, and let's not forget they were two up against Spurs not so long ago before. For losing the game three two, heartbreaking for them where they dropped some points. I think they go there to Spurs full of confidence. They're six to one to win that game. I would not be backing Spurs at one to two to win it. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, no. I'd love to see Gary O'Neill pull uh, pull through and, and, and Bournemouth safe uh, from relegation. It's a young coaching staff as well, very much learning on the job, but it appears they're learning at the right time. George, Chelsea take on Brighton off the back of defeat to Real Madrid in the Champions League quarter-final first leg. In two games under Frank Lampard so far, they've played with both a back three and a back four. What should he do this week? Does it matter? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. Like, it, again, it's one of those things that I think often we can pour over and actually at the end of the day, how significant is it? I mean, obviously... You know, you want James and Chilwell to be able to play as high as possible. Um, that suggests that a back three is is optimal, but Enzo Fernandez plays incredibly deep. So is there any point in having a back three if you're going to have Enzo sitting just in front of the, the, the central centre-back? Probably not. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, in answer to your question, I don't think it matters too much, but this is, you know, this is going to be a, a, an awkward game for, for Chelsea given the opposition, but there's still perception from Chelsea fans that it should be a game that they win. Yeah, and Brighton suffered just a second defeat in 12 Premier League games at Spurs last week. Somehow, will they make it into Europe next season, Tim? They've obviously got the FA Cup as well. Uh, yeah, that, you know, that's, that's that's next weekend, isn't it? When they're playing Man United. It feels yeah. like they're playing them at a, a potentially at a good time. That's going to be, you know, a great occasion. And yeah, I, I think they'll get in one way or the other. I certainly hope so. I feel like uh, most of... Most of the uh, football supporters in this country will will be hoping that they get in as well because you know what's what's not to like, and they were so unlucky last week. I really felt for them at Spurs. You know they they they, they should have they should have won that game comfortably. You know with their dominance of the game, but also the I mean I was going to say bad luck, but the, the sheer incompetence of the of the officials um, who missed what three or four penalties. So yeah, no, I mean Liverpool's sort of charge for fourth and potentially even Europe seems to be disintegrating, and Brighton have the upper the upper hand really for Europe. So yeah, no, I certainly I certainly hope they make it in Dan, and I think they will. 
trivia time now. Let me just get my phone out because the producer guy will have sent me the question. Erling Haaland scored his 45th goal of the season against Bayern Munich in midweek, the most of any player in all competitions during the Premier League era. Five other players have scored 40 or more goals in all competitions in a season. Who are they? I'm assuming, again, this will be in the in the Premier League era. I think I've got one. Is one of them Andy Cole? Haaland is there again! Yet another for Erling Haaland! Salah, is he on there? Yet another for Erling Haaland. It's a flying start to the to the trivia this week. I'm struggling. I'm struggling after after those two. I've got one that I want to say because I just feel like he has to have done. But Shearer, you know. you're, you're going to say Shearer, are you? No, no, no. no, 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 no. We're no, not no. saying that guy. We're not saying that guy. No. no, no. This isn't my answer, but the player I was thinking of was Aguero. But I, I'm not sure I've ever seen it said anywhere that he scored over 40 goals in all competitions. I remember. T- like 25 odd in the in the Premier League, but he always had injuries, didn't he? So I feel like he just struggled to get to Forta. Ronaldo did. I mean, that's my guess. Yeah, I think that's right. But yeah, with, with that season with him and Rooney, where they got about 70 between. I think that's right, um, George. Ronaldo. Haaland is there again. Yet another for Erling Haaland. <sighs> it's good again. It's two more. Obviously, we. How many were there? Five. Two more. We've got two more. We had. We obviously had a great time last week on the on the trivia, getting all of them right. Be nice to follow that up with an, with another another solid performance. Two more. Was there some stats padding from a certain uh, Spurs striker at any time in Europe? I don't think, not, no, not, I I don't think he's hit. Yeah. I don't think he's hit Forta. Has anyone said Cheery yet? I, no, I don't I, think that's right. You know, like, yeah, I kind of mentioned it, but I, I think we're brave. I think we go Shearer. Holland, Holland again, and he misses right in front of the goal. Tim, you forced me <laughs> into tease. that. You've got the tease. <laughs> I, I was, I was pretty confident. You were right. That wasn't, that you were right, guys. Yeah, you were right, Dan. You were right, pal. So uh, we're not going to say Aguero, are we? Well, we might as well now we've lost anyway. We might as well say Aguero. Holland! Holland again! And he misses right in front of goal! Uh, it must be Suarez that Holland! season. Yeah, that, that Holland! Holland! Yeah, and he misses right in front of goal! Oh, dear. so well. Yeah. We've wasted the start. Um, I really can't think of who, who, it would, who it would be. I'm missing someone really obvious here. Uh, Henri would be the most obvious one, I guess. Again, I don't think. Oh, wait right there. No, I don't. I don't think this is this is right. But I'm going to say it anyway. Van Nistelrooy. Holland is there again. Yet another for Erling. Oh, that is right. I'm surprised at that. Kane. I'm going to do it. Holland is there again. Yet another for Erling Haaland. Well, decent. A great start. Fell away and then ended ended very strongly. Annoying that I said Kane when we when oh, we. I know. Were I still, talked you out of it. We were still. Mm. Right, well, we'll come back again strong next week. Good trivia, as always, from producer Guy. You're listening to the Weekend Preview from the Athletic Football Podcast. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. We're back and it's Nottingham Forest v Manchester United Sunday at 4.30 and we've got Leeds v Liverpool on the Monday night football as well. Bad night for Manchester United in a few ways last night, George. Pegged back late on at Old Trafford by Sevilla and then two own goals and also a few injuries. They've still got no Marcus Rashford as well. Bad night at the office. Things are unravelling a little bit at United at the moment. Um, I don't think it's for anyone's fault, but um, yeah, Varane taken off at half-time, Martinez taken off during the second half, um, two own goals to turn a tie from being pretty much done to being not just open, but Sevilla aside who we know, you know, Sevilla away in the Europa League is is pretty much as hard as it comes really in this competition over the years. So yeah, down to injuries and, and you know, the, the performance in the first half especially was was fairly dominant and it should have been the kind of result that would, you know, reignite some some life here. But for United now, I mean, they've got two means of getting into the Champions League next season. Um, the, the top four looked like a, a pretty done deal a few weeks ago. That's now not the case. So if they, you know, winning the Europa League could be incredibly important if they do fall out of that because that's their other, their other route in. So um, yeah, not, it kind of feels like ever since, you know, they are, they are still eight on for the top four, I, mean, I should say. So, I mean, it looks likely, but given their their form at the moment, you know, a couple of defeats and that could change. I think Liverpool's poor form is probably what's playing into their hands currently. Um, but yeah, they um, they need to, to find a way. It feels like ever since the, the defeat to Liverpool, things have, have taken a bit of a turn. What are the odds on, on their treble chances, Steve? 12 to 1, done. So they have been 750. So you, you, you'd love to be on that price. But they are... They know twelve to one to do that, and they're still favourites to um, to win the Europa League at fifteen to eight. They were one to five hundred to win the game on Thursday night, and still managed not to win. Of course, we paid out with them going uh, two goals ahead, and they're four to nine to qualify. So even though they'll be frustrated with the injuries etc. as well on top, they're still in a fairly good place to uh, to to go through to the next round. Tim. Another quiet week at Nottingham Forest. If it's not rumours about Steve Cooper, it's another change behind the scenes. And Ross Wilson has come in as sporting director. Yeah, um, and, and another new signing for Forest. I think that's 31 uh, this season. Um, I mean, yeah, d- despite all the instability they have, it's remarkable that, that Cooper's still there, really. Especially given, you know, Maranakis's record for, for foreign managers. I, I am really concerned for Forest. You know, they had they had a couple of games recently. Well, I was at both against Wolves and Leeds. They got one point from those. You know, expectedly lost to to Villa last weekend. But you look at their next three. They've got Man United. They've got Liverpool, and they've got Brighton. The way they're playing, they're not going to get any points from those games. And then you're looking at a scenario where they could possibly be sort of cut cut adrift going into the final few fixtures. 
they just look a bit muddled at the moment. They they've got that <laughs> the deadly combination of conceding a lot of goals and they don't score many, um, which isn't good. Uh, I think Brennan Johnson's got ten, which is almost half of their total. You know they've only scored twenty four all season. So if he doesn't fire and Gibbs White doesn't fire, they've got they really haven't got much other than that. So yeah, big um, big concerns for Forest at the moment. They need to, they need to turn it around from somewhere. Yeah, Leeds battered by Palace on Sunday, George. In last week's show, we made reference to them being ahead of their underlying numbers. They are still very much in this relegation scrap under Javi Grazia, aren't they? Yeah, three to one as it stands at the moment, uh, Leeds off relegation. I think it, having got over the line and beaten Forest 2-1 at home and then be 1-0 up against Crystal Palace, probably a lot of fans at Ellen Road thought, here we go, get over the line here and we're basically safe. And then they conceded five goals. Um, a home game to Liverpool, you know, we, as we've spoken about earlier in the podcast, Liverpool's away record isn't great. And then massive games, Fulham and uh, and Leicester and Bournemouth, the three games that follow that. So um, in a similar way, I guess, to Leicester, a, a tricky one, albeit easier. You know, it's not City away, but a game where a point would probably be a decent result. And then the games that will, will really dictate the course that their season takes. Um, but Javi Gracia, after making a, a pretty good start to life as, as Leeds manager, a uh, big test for him to, to get everyone back on side after that humbling defeat. Yeah, and on Tuesday night, news broke that Liverpool were pulling out of the race to sign Jude Bellingham. Steve, where's he going to be heading next? Do you, th- do you feel this is a bit like when you ask a girl out and she says no and you say, oh, I didn't fancy her anyway? Yeah, I know all about that, Dan. That <laughs> many a time to me, pal, uh, back in the day. Uh, it, I tell you what, it's been a great market. Absolutely, it's been, at the time, because previously, you know, a few hours before, they were talking about Liverpool going going for Jude Bellingham and, and Liverpool were into five to four. So there was a few quid around for that. And then the, later on that night, the news broke. And then all of a sudden, Liverpool are out to nine to two. But I've been pretty sure all along that I think Jude Bellingham just goes to Manchester City. I, 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 I just, I, they are seven to four at the moment. I think that probably needs shortening just a little bit with Real Madrid currently second best at five to two. And then you got the likes of Manchester United and Chelsea at a double, double figure price. So with PSG at 25s. So I'll throw it out to you guys. I'll be interested to know where you think Jude Bellingham will be for this market on the 3rd of September next season. City. George? I think City or, or City or Madrid. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Real did go after him. I mean, you, you watch that. I mean, I love watching Tony Cruz pretty much more than any other central midfielder in world football. I mean, everyone always... You know, the amount of accolades that Modric gets, and rightly so, but I think Cruz is often overlooked. But, you know, Cruz is now, what, 33? In terms of their, their, you know, they've obviously got players coming through, but I do wonder if Bellingham is that bit of star talent who can maybe do the, the roles of both Cruz and Modric in terms of the way that he plays. Tim, where do you think he'll go, uh, Bellingham? Chelsea, Chelsea, 15-year contract. Yeah, 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 that's what they're doing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 16 to one, 16 to one, Chelsea, 16s. Yeah. I'll take yeah. that. They buy everybody, okay. yeah. 15-year contract. <laughs> And on the theme of next club, Steve, what's the market saying about Bobby Firmino? Yeah, we've we've actually got Liverpool in the betting for this as well because his contract runs out at the end of the season, doesn't it? So we, we've kind of put that in at, at 11 to 2. This is a tough one. I, I absolutely have no idea. And I, I know you probably listeners will think, well, he hasn't anyway, So, which is fair enough. But uh, but Napoli are... Three- and, 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 the, and the people on the podcast with you, Steve, Correct. not just the yeah, listeners. Yeah. yeah, thank God I sponsor it. Uh, yeah, Napoli are, are, are the three to one favourites currently with, with Inter Milan at five, Liverpool at 11 to two. We've seen a little bit for Real Madrid from 12 into six to one with Bayern Munich at nine, Barcelona at 10, same as Juve and Sevilla at 10 as well. Yeah, so this I think is, is quite a difficult market to call. Could Bayern be quite interesting there? I mean, it seems like Sadio Mane's, you know, time with the club is is probably drifting towards a close, given that he hasn't done the business on the pitch, and then obviously the stuff with Sane. 
and you know he fits quite nicely into that system. Played in the Bundesliga before. Nine Did I say nine to one? Sorry, I meant nine to two. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. <laughs> Picking up elite talent on a on a freebie. So those are our featured games to look out for this weekend on the weekend preview, sponsored by Steve Freeth, as he just said. With this being how the full Premier League weekend looks, it gets underway at Aston Villa at lunchtime on Saturday, with that meeting between Villa and Newcastle at Villa Park. Five three o'clock on Saturday, that's Chelsea v Brighton, Everton v Fulham, Palace's trip to Southampton, Spurs v Bournemouth, and Wolves welcome. Brentford to Molyneux. Thank you, producer Guy, for making me read that out again. The tea time game sees Man City take on Dean Smith's Leicester City. Then it's the two games on Sunday with a London derby, West Ham v Arsenal at two, followed by Forrest taking on Manchester United. And then Monday night football is back with Liverpool against Leeds. Steve, we'll finish as ever with you. Over to you for the six scores challenge. Okay, yeah, the million pounds still needs to go. So I'll start with you, George. It's Chelsea versus Brighton, the Graham Potterless derby. Nil two. Okay. Everton versus Fulham. Two nil. Tim, Tottenham versus Bournemouth. Uh one two. Ooh, like that. Uh Manchester City versus Leicester. This won't be the same scoreline. Six one. <laughs> one. Good grief. I'm loving that. I'm loving your boldness there, Tim. That's fantastic. Uh uh Dan West Ham versus Arsenal. Uh four one. To, to Arsenal. To Arsenal. To Arsenal. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Forest versus Manchester United. 2 2. Love it. Okay, guys, fingers crossed. <laughs> There's no money coming our way this weekend with, with, <laughs> with, with, with some, of the, some of those shouts, especially myself and myself and Tim there at, at the end. But that is it from us here at the weekend preview. The Athletic Football Podcast will be back on Monday following all the weekend's action. But until then, enjoy the weekend, enjoy all the football, and thanks very much for listening. The Athletic.